0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Get Your AI On, the podcast. I'm Ciprian Borodescu, and this podcast is brought to you by Morfol the AI platform for e-commerce. I'm the host of the show. and every episode, I invite founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and even AI researchers to share with us their experience in dealing with business problems that can be solved through intelligent use of data. This is episode number one, let's get your AI on. I'm here with Marcus Lampinen, CEO at Prefina. I'm super excited and it's an honor to have you as the very first guest on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Marcus.
1: No, thank you so much. Like I said, I'm very happy to be the the inaugural guinea pig here, but also to be chatting (laughs) about some really, really cool things with you.
0: Um and before we start I have to say this. So we go way back. We met I think in two thousand and ten during okay. startup bootcamp and if I remember correctly you were running the Grow VC podcast, right? That was That's right.
1: That's right. So that was some time ago. That was also an entirely different era. Like of course, right now, talking about you kind know, of where we are today, we have this COVID nineteen um, yeah. environment. It's also funny to reflect back longer term, like if we think about 2010, I mean, most of the like cloud computing environments were completely in development, and, you know, that was like a completely yeah. different environment altogether. So yes, you guys were, um, was it part of uh, Startup boot camp at the time that, that yeah. we
0: met? Exactly. That was uh, in Copenhagen. And uh, you were a true pioneer of the podcast industry. Um, that it is today and uh yeah. how many do you remember how many episodes did you end up uh, having yeah
1: well I, I had a great team at the time and i've always been fortunate to have a great team so i think we did over a couple hundred at the time Oh wow. I mean, we were working with uh, equity crowdfunding we pioneered mm-hmm. one of the world's first uh, equity crowdfunding marketplaces growvc.com and then i mean i didn't personally do all of the couple hundred i did some of them mm-hmm but then we also got other people some other great hosts take over and mm-hmm. some great guests um we had like uh US um US uh, politicians for example talking about some of the securities regulations we had some prominent investors and entrepreneurs like nice. you guys and so on and so forth so it was it was fantastic um
0: yeah, but it's amazing. also like you
1: know just thinking kind of back i mean you're absolutely right that that in 2010 podcasts were also you know they were far less popular than what they are today,
0: yeah, that's true, that's true, yeah, it's amazing and uh thank you again for accepting this invitation this this really awesome. means a lot to me and uh all right, cool so uh let's start uh so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started with Kritina
1: sure, um so I mean like you said we we go way back, so I mean uh we're both entrepreneurs and I think from my side, I've I've founded a couple of different companies in different industries. Like I worked with uh, content rights. I worked with um, crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding. But from the crowdfunding then came the entire fintech movement. So I I ran an API first uh, back office company called Diffatech for about seven and a half years. Um, That brought me to Silicon Valley. I've been here for about five and a half years now. But then essentially also working with various different banks, exchanges, lenders, and then, of course, lots of software developers building up new things in FinTech that also essentially opened up this opportunity um, in data for us. So when um, when I moved on from, from Diff Attack, um and then the new team took over, then one of the coolest things that, that we saw in the market um, was essentially this, um, call it new era of data. Uh, meaning that, that if we think ahead 10 years, then we see that there's a very likely future where essentially data is portable for various different reasons. And that's something that we wanted to capitalize on, that we want to just build essentially our small part of this future. Um, and I think from my, my own background with Diff Attack, we were already working with lots of uh, developers. Um, we had essentially an API-first approach. But even before, we've kind of seen this benefit of open collaboration in the marketplace. And it's specific, like specifically, when we're talking about something as monumental as the data industry, then that had to be the, the first and foremost approach. That when we're looking at essentially, um, could we create? Um, let's say, an alternative for how data um, and especially this data broker industry works, then, I mean, for us, it was natural that that would have to be something that's open source and also open collaboration, because that's that's not something that just one company does. So that's a little bit of a, a, a blurb in terms of where I've come from. But I do think it is a really remarkable day and age in terms of where we are. That, For example, for the open source movement, then I think that that we're also starting to see um, and have really, really strong data in the last couple of years that that open source and essentially especially this type of open collaboration, that's also become a far um, outperforming asset class that's getting a lot lot more investment into. so that's something that we're really excited about.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you and i we we talked a little bit about the uh, app within an app approach uh Hmm. and can you can you um tell us a little bit about that because it's a it's a really new concept and even i'm trying to wrap my head around that
1: yeah so let's take a little bit of a step back and i can just kind of um you know walk through Hmm. first in terms of where you come from with with profina and then talk a little bit more about like uh, how we think about like this app within an app concept um so when i said that that um essentially like a new new era for data, then in practice, what we mean is, we're building a platform that has a consumer and the developer offering, the consumer offering is that, that the individual, uh, so a person like you and I, we can essentially um, aggregate our data from the various different data platforms and bring it into what we call our own data cloud. So effectively, right now, that means essentially AWS, but in the future, it will mean something else. So you bring your data, you essentially use some of the the marketplace APIs, the GDPR, export functions, whatnot, and then essentially create this data backup for you under your own control. But that also then allows you to essentially have your own data and then do cool things with that. So we help you essentially productize that into uh, portable data profiles. So essentially, mm-hmm. like, what type of traveler am I? What type of content do I like to engage with? So on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also that that allows you to essentially uh, grant and revoke access to this type of data or these types of programs. So that's a consumer yep. side. So consumer gets control. They can control consent, but they also get their data so that they can actually do stuff with it. Um, and then for the developer, uh, slash the enterprise. This yeah. also means that effectively, you can build different experiences on top of this. Like, if you yeah. have your data be local to your customer, then you could ask that data to, you know, um, be able to understand better. For example, what type of traveler they are, or what type of sports equipment they're into. Um, but you could also essentially build apps that that essentially just fit and up on top of this uh, this local data. So we we separate the type of apps into three different categories. One is effectively uh, those types of uh, profile apps, which effectively just you know uh, create a better experience based on what type of person this is, like what is their profile. So, for example, I'm this type of traveler, and you know me as Airbnb or whoever else, I can create this type of an offer. So that's like this type of um, call it more superficial personalization, but superficial app anyway. Uh, The second one is effectively data widgets, which is like, for example, if I have all of this data locally with me, what type of analytics could I run? Like what type of um, dashboards could I create? Like can I create, for example, how my sleep pattern correlates with my financial spending? So for example, if I have a hypothesis that when I sleep poorly, then I, for example, drink more coffee and spend more money, then by creating that type of a correlation between sleep data and then financial spend data, I could actually, you know, I could actually plot that on a chart and, you know, create that type of a dashboard. So that's the second one. And then the third one is effectively that you can actually create entire apps where um that run essentially as an app within an app. So for example, you can create an app that that essentially keeps all of the data local uh, with the individual. And essentially allows the individual, for example, to run this within their own cloud. So this personal cloud that I mentioned earlier that, that has your data in it, if you could install local software and then just run those locally, for example, without that, that data or that interaction between the data sharing going anywhere, then that would be an example of an app within an app. So just to give kind of one tangible example is that, that if, for example, um, a, there's a developer group that that's working with us that that's essentially creating a, a, a newsletter opt out. So super simple functionality. But essentially the way that they're doing this is that they're using an anonymous email functionality that we have within Bobina. Um, and then essentially the, the user can take that 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 anonymous email and then add that to the various different mailing lists that they want to be part of. And then all of those subscriptions, they go to that anonymous email, which is effectively just an email that we control, um, but that forwards essentially the subscriptions to their, their mailboxes. And within this app, within an app, they can manage essentially that forwarding from this anonymous email to essentially their own inboxes. But because they also do this, then essentially they're never exposing the underlying email, um, but they also essentially have all of the interactions, so all of the content of the mail going through their personal cloud. So it goes essentially through the the anonymous email, and it goes to this personal cloud, and there's no exposure to their own, you know, for example, Gmail or something like that. So that's a very, very simplistic app, in a sense. Um, But it's also something that that, um, when essentially we think about these types of apps, then It could be something as simple as that, but it's just essentially like your email guard that that fits in your own app, and then it just runs there. It doesn't run on somebody else's server. It essentially runs on your server, so to speak.
0: This is super interesting, and I think think we need, as developers, we need more use cases from you guys because if we understand these use cases, then we can come up with new and new approaches.
1: So, yeah,
0: yeah, great job on that um i have to i have to um and just for the sake of the conversation maybe push back a little bit and ask you maybe if i'm an online retailer why yep. would i what is my incentive to basically embrace this change that prefina is proposing
1: i think for a lot of uh let's call it like for example online retailers merchants uh whomever else i think we have to start from the reality today that, that it's very easy to think that everybody has lots of data, but that's actually not true. So most companies, most brands, um, they, they actually don't have a lot of data about their customers. Like most I, of can, them uh,
0: <laughs> I yes. can confirm that. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So if you start from this reality... Um That if you aren't Facebook or Google or Amazon, then I mean you don't have their data, you don't have a lot of insight. like if you think about, for example, just yourself as a, as a user, how many accounts do you actually keep up to date with you know actually accurate and and lots of information? you know, maybe but one or not two not that much? Exactly. Like that. yeah so essentially, starting from here, I mean, if essentially you as a as a merchant, could have your individual customer provide you with some more information about who they are, um, then you would probably be willing to give them a better offer because now you essentially know who they are. So you can price your offer better. So for example, um, one of the examples that we oftentimes see is, for example, Trottle, that, that if you spend um, like, for example, booking hotels. Then the hotel um, hotels themselves they actually don't have a lot of information about you because a lot of this data goes to the the brokers. But if you were able to essentially book with the hotel and tell them that in the last year uh, I actually stayed this many nights and spent this much money, you know, in in aggregates, not exposing anything like I I I I one hundred and ten nights in hotels. Um, and I spent $72,000 in, in, in the last year on hotels that are comparable to yours. And now I'm booking, let's say, a two-night stay with you. If the hotel sees this and they see that I'm booking a two-night stay with you, but actually um, I travel quite a lot, then they can also see that I'm actually quite valuable as a client. So that's something that for them, um, it would be very easy to say that, well, I want this this person to come back. Um, And then maybe instead of essentially the the room that you book, maybe they give you essentially a complimentary upgrade or or something. So this is the example of um, like a a profile app effectively. So it's taking this data profile of who this traveler is and essentially creating a specific experience for them. now, It doesn't have to be like an upsell. It can also be essentially um, like a discount. It could be essentially a better offer. Like, I know this, this person is traveling to Singapore. They travel quite a lot. Um, Why don't I give them also, like, they're here on a Saturday. Why don't I give them also essentially like this, this, um, you know, voucher for, you know, whatever additional service? So part of it's really for the merchant to A, get a better understanding of who their customer is, um, effectively at no cost because it's coming directly from their customer and also at no risk because their customer is volunteering it. But then also for the second part, uh, from that data, you can actually be more competitive. So we talk about the democratization of data, that if the customer is able to have this data with them, that means that essentially you as a merchant or you as a retailer, you can also provide better data. And at the end of the day, that's what we care about. Like, we really care about the end user value, that if they can have better experiences, they can have better uh, prices, better offers, that's ultimately what we see that, that's going to resonate in the market. Because, let's be honest, I mean, um, you know, we, we care about data, we, we care about privacy, but at the end of the day, most people, they don't. Like most people, yeah. they, they conceptually care about those things. But at the end of the day, if we look at like what actually moves the needle, what actually gets people to engage, then it's always convenience and value. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we have to go. But also from your point of view, I mean, you guys work with a lot of merchants and you guys work with a yeah. lot of people in this industry. So it's yeah. really about also kind of updating their game That that by being able to kind of give let's say a one step up offering and not just kind of do the same thing that everybody else is doing that yeah. that's a huge opportunity for people to kind of you know create more specific value and more personal experiences for you know who their customers are
0: yeah it's funny cuz you you mentioned that uh, companies in general not a lot of companies have data so, yeah, this, uh, this, uh, this is something that we've seen in the e-commerce um, industry as well. Like any other industry, e-commerce is basically a long tail. And even now with the coronavirus crisis, uh, a lot of retailers are moving online. And right. but these, are, these are new entries. They do, they do not have yet huge amounts of data. And thus, for them and for other smaller e-commerce businesses, uh having uh, or data cannot really power a proper ai or ml system and this is something that uh we've been uh trying to find a solution here but uh, uh with the team at morphol and one solution is to aggregate the data from multiple uh from multiple e-commerce or online retailers however well all that's problematic in more than one way right mm. So the solution that we ended up with is, or can be, federated learning. And without going into technical detail, basically federated learning means that it eliminates the need for centralized data by relying on sub-models that are trained at the device level. Mm. So in this paradigm, the user data never leaves the client in contrast to the traditional paradigm of collecting, storing and processing user data on backend servers. And I just have the intuition that we could use federated learning and include Prifina in the mix. I think but, it's also uh, something that, yeah.
1: that I mean, it's something that, that we also see that when you're starting from like in the typical data world, you start from essentially one massive database. Of millions yeah. of data points across lots of different people, mm-hmm. so what if you turn that the other way around that you start with holistic and rich data points on an individual level, and yeah. how can you essentially model based on that and you're absolutely right to kind of you know um you know kind of <laughs> uh, tear at this problem because it's not trivial, and that means that for example, if it's something that's as compute and data intensive as machine learning, um, you have to kind of break it down so. One of yeah. the things um, we like, you know, at the end of the day, I, I try to kind of think about it from a big picture and then also like a, a small picture. Point and I think from a small picture point of view, you can do a lot with very basic modeling, like with very, very basic, like 80, 20 or type of data, you can actually create quite a lot of good indicators for merchants. So this is one of the things that, that's really, value, really important for us, that that's if essentially somebody uses this system, they have to get value right away. Not not in 90 days or 180 days. It has to be right away that when the user lands on the site, then you know a little bit more about the user and then you can provide more value for the user. And for the user, it has to be one click and then value. It, it can't yeah. be any more you know, difficult than that. So you can start off with very basic things. Like you take 10 data points. Like if you're able to validate and cross-check 10 data points, like age bracket, income back bracket, demographic, um, you know, mm-hmm. where they live, um, you know, some of the interesting groups and events and so on and so forth that they, they engage with. I mean, you already know quite a lot. And if this yeah. is data that that you can trust, um, for example, it's aggregate data over the last year, uh, like this person has been at, you know, 17 events that, that kind of fall in this category. This person mm-hmm. has, you know, spent X amount of dollars in this category, yada, yada. Um, not exposing any raw data, not exposing anything sensitive, but just kind of, you know, this type of behavioral data, that's already quite valuable. But now you're absolutely right that that for essentially training a predictable and statistically significant model, that's something where essentially it does require various different steps. But for us, a lot of the things that we start with is just very primitive access to holistic data. And then from there, I think that you can do a lot of different, more sophisticated things. Um, yeah. But this is also like just just kind of thinking also kind of back, um, like what we did in, in for example, uh, the FinTech company I ran, uh, we worked with a lot of anti-money laundering and compliance systems. And that's something where, for example, if you have to, you know, work with, for example, anti-fraud or money laundering or so on then I mean, at that stage, you, you, you work in rules and thresholds. Like You work with statistical significance, you work with pattern recognition, all these different things. So I think that that's, that's absolutely important. Uh, but at the same time, just thinking about where the merchants are today and thinking about like how can we help them take one step you know, in the right direction and then one step beyond there and one step beyond there, then the first thing is just essentially that if we can give them access to better data so that they can provide better value that's yeah. already essentially a game changer and then from there they can essentially optimize and they can train and so on and so forth but these are i mean this is kind of where the open collaboration comes in as well that for example kimo who's our, our cto in our company he's ran three data companies and he's somebody that that uh, in his phd he studied neural networks in the late 90s um so these are all things that that we're kind of also grappling with internally that we're mm-hmm. thinking about like, you know, if you start with the individual and you have lots of different individual, like you have millions of individuals, um, how do you do that? Kind of instead of essentially starting from one database with millions of data. Okay. And I think Google has also been very visionary in this sector. I mean, of course, they have a lot of insight about and the trends and they have a lot of different kind of um, projects yeah. in the works. They also have lots of open source for libraries and so on and so forth but that's actually a really really cool and kind of just very specific point about federated learning that mm-hmm. um that's something that we're also looking into um and i think that there are a lot of these types of um these types of initiatives that that as we get into kind of the new area of era of things um mm-hmm. then i mean they'll just become more and more viable because mm-hmm. you know for example uh, third party cookies being depreciated um, yeah. that's that's not a small thing that's going to be quite a big shift
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned that you're uh, you're already working on a uh, SDK for merchants. Can you please share more on that? Yeah.
1: So if you think about it, like what a merchant would need in terms of using something like this is two things. One is they would need essentially this type of referral system where their customer can create this profile. Um, yeah. But then essentially they would need essentially also the spec for essentially what goes into that that profile. So Correct. that's kind of where we're going into different types of industries, like we worked with some travel, some media, we mm-hmm. worked with some um some some merchants and some financiers that are also a little bit more cross sector and it's really mm-hmm. just about kind of thinking through that that one is the customer experience and then the other one is the the productization of essentially the data pipeline so it's not i mean from a code point of view it's it's a very simple snippet like it can be a button on your website that you know, get get um, offer using Perfina or something like this or get mm-hmm. offer using your data profile, whatnot. Um, yeah. But it's much more about the data pipeline that, that you as a merchant, then what type of things do you need to know uh, to be able to offer, for example, like uh, a perk or an upgrade about your customer? So that's kind of the, the area that we're now piloting with various different companies. Um, and then we're productizing that into certain types of key areas first. But also here, I mean, we're doing a lot behind the scenes and we're, we're publishing more and more openly into the public domain. Uh, but yeah. then beyond that, kind of with these pilots, I mean, we're doing a lot and the behind the scenes to just kind of understand the, the, the data pipeline so that we can productize them because yes, everybody is unique. But there's also a lot of universality about like this 80 20 rule that if you include, for example, age, income level, demographics, some interest data, some behavioral data, some spend in certain categories, you can actually already do quite a lot in most more, most industries. So a lot of what we start with on the data pipeline is that there's some universals, and then there's some specific kind of things that that would essentially kind of be important for the merge. But this is also where I mean we we want this to be something that that um, we want to take to a certain point ourselves, but after that we want to make public domain because yeah. from our point of view we're not going to be the expert in a hundred different verticals. So we need not only partners, but we also essentially want to make sure that that if somebody has a great idea for essentially a data profile spec that they they would be able to you know use, um, yep. then they should be able to have control of that. And that's something that we can then feed into our own roadmap and essentially just give distribution for. Um, But That's a general logic that you should be able to onboard your users very easily, but they should also be able to then volunteer the right data profile for essentially the use case that you're building
0: for them. Mm -hmm. And probably that's the the reason you just launched this uh, previous week, the use case blog series. We'll have a lot of different things coming out from there, like you
1: mentioned earlier about use cases and examples, and that's yeah. absolutely why why we did this because we've been working with these kind of behind the scenes. Last year, we did lots of different pilots, but yeah. it's going to be critical that they're they're out in the open because we have uh, we have a good amount of developers that are essentially engaging with us on a daily yeah. basis, but then the end of the day, then I mean there's always uh, an order of magnitude more. That are following, but aren't doing yep. anything. That that aren't talking to us. That that you know don't have inside information. So that's why we need to kind of you know just highlight these three different types of um, apps that that we have, and then what you can do. Um, but then, I mean, one of the coolest things that I'm waiting for is that, um, or that I always love is there's a lot of things that we haven't thought of that you can do. So that's also an opportunity and a challenge for essentially people that think that okay. If I had the opportunity to essentially have direct from consumer data, uh, provided that they, of course, give me consent. But you know, if I'm providing something valuable, then you know they might. Um, then what can I do? Like if I essentially have, for example, different data sets from an individual person about their, let's say, their behavioural data. Um, what type of insights could I give them, or what type of experiences could I create for them, or then what type of suggestions, for example, so. Yeah. I've been talking with a couple of my, my data scientist friends that, that are far smarter than I am about nudges and incentives and so on and so forth. And one of the things is showcasing data and kind of creating insights and analytics from that, that's step one. But then step two is, okay, if you know this, then what can you do? Like, what should you do? What should you change? And that, comes become, that, that becomes much more about understanding the individual. Understanding their goals and also understanding like how can you help them get there, and if you think about, for example, like just from your point of view at Morpho about the the granularity of data, that if you can actually start from that point of view, that that you not only understand a little bit more about the individuals, but you also understand a little bit more about their goals, because we don't have that type of data yet today, um, and of course, I mean we don't get there right away, but. It's just an interesting thing that, that if you understand what the user actually wants um, and then who the user is, then yeah. that's something where you know, developers can surprise us, that they can come up with some incredible things that you know we just didn't think about.
0: So I have, I have two things to say about that. So one that perfect, perfectly aligns with uh, uh, the questions that we get from our customers. Okay, you guys give us these predictions. This is lovely. What can we do with these predictions? And on the other side, with developers building applications on top of the uh, your SDK, and uh, let me know uh, when you guys are going gonna organize a hackathon in a few months' time. That it's uh, you know that would be interesting.
1: So I mean, there are some some things that are already going on in the background, like we have with some of the the universities here in Silicon Valley. We have some things that that were already, I mean, were already scheduled. But of course, with coronavirus and everything, then those are you know, they're, they're postponed for now, uh, or they're yeah, virtual, yeah. I don't think they've been rescheduled yet. But I actually think that that's absolutely a fantastic idea. Because, like, on one side, um, you know, if, if you just start off with this very, very basic question that, you know, if you had all of the data in the world about your customer, and you could essentially ask them anything, um, what would you ask them? And then what could you provide with uh, for them? Like, what could you build? So that's something that, you know, um, in some of our pilots, then we've worked with data such as uh, mobility data, meaning that how do you get around in your everyday life? So how much you drive, how much you take, you know, public transport, how much you ride a bike, how much you walk and so on and so forth. And then putting a price on that, like you spend this much on your car, you spend this much on public transport and so on and so forth. That's kind of just a very, very simple commuter data set that that just kind of gives you the patterns on a map, the price and the vehicle. Um, but based on that, you can already do a lot of different things. You can say that, well, you know, um, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, for example, driving here where there seems to be lots of traffic, That if you take took this car ride and turn it into a bike ride, it actually would be quicker or something like that. So yeah, yeah. just kind of starting from a very, very primitive point of view that just showcasing that type of data, um, that data set, for example, the mobility data, that's also interesting for a couple other use cases that we found out. One is essentially like this local purchasing profile. Um, I think that's actually already on the, the public GitHub, mm-hmm. but this is essentially something that, that if you think about like Groupon style offers, um, if you knew essentially the patterns that individuals have, you could essentially say that, Hey, on your way to work, here is essentially like, um, an offer on a latte, for example. Yeah. Um, something very, very simple. Or then the other way around is that you turn essentially these individual data points about commuter patterns and then you turn them into like, um, you know, city planning. But if you know how people move about in your city on like an individual basis and you know essentially like where they're going and their patterns and so on, how can you essentially use that to feed, for example, like um, municipal planning or, you know, different types of things like that. So it's just kind of starting from very, very basics and then building up.
0: And uh, Marcus, I have to to ask you this because I get this question a lot. Like, what is the industry? What is the vertical that you guys are focusing on? Is it retail? Is it, I don't know, financial? Um, is it uh, media, publishers? What is your answer to that?
1: Hmm. So my answer right now is developers. That That's, that's really right. what we care mm-hmm. about. Um, because at the end of the day, yes, we're piloting in various different verticals. And yes, we have some preferences. And yes, our own go-to-market is linked to one of those preferences. But that's also kind of, that, that's kind of just more let's say for for our company but ultimately at the end of the day big picture wise our focus is on developers that we want to give them the best tools we want to give them the best SDKs the best docs the best code examples for essentially how to provide and facilitate this data exchange in their own industries so i think essentially that that you know you'll see from us that that we're going to go into one specific vertical but and that's going to change over time because we're going to go into one vertical, one core audience, and then we're going to go step by step from there. Um, but at the same time, that developer commitment, that's never going to change. I mean, that's always going to be front and center. Because if I think about this kind of from a macro point of view, um, I think that ultimately for enterprise adoption, like we talked about merchants and we talked about retailers, um, as well as developer adoption, I think that it's going to be all developers. Like I think it's going to be developers that adopt new models. They test them out. They they prove them out, and then the enterprises adopt. Them. Whether or not those developers are within the enterprises to start off with, or then they're independent developers, or then essentially they're developers as part of a third party company that sells to enterprises. I think it's all developers. That I I I've you know with my past company I worked with um, you know uh, I worked with large banks. I've sold to large banks. I've also sold to developers. And I think just looking at kind of where we are, especially now when people can't take in-person meetings, um, and then just kind of extrapolating forward, I think it's going to be developers that essentially have that catalyst power. Um, But you're absolutely right. That focus is also one of these things that we have to make sure that the tools that we have, they're um as good as possible for specific hmm. verticals. But this is kind of where I would say that this industry knowledge comes in, that it doesn't require a lot at this stage. Like it does require, for example, I, I really like e-commerce as just the general, more horizontal, like mechanical um, priority because essentially just getting the right SDKs and the right kind of tools for essentially yeah. the, the, the um, sellers as well as essentially the, the platforms themselves, I think yeah. that that's going to be incredibly important. But at the same yeah. time, thinking about the data, Um, there's going to be a universal aspect and there's going to be a specific aspect. And I would essentially argue that the universal aspect of the data, as well as effectively the the model, so the technical model, as well as essentially everything that we put on top, like the federated learning and different types of um, training sets and different types of support, I think that that's actually going to be quite universal across the entire e-commerce sector. And I would argue that 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 specific um, aspect like four different types of verticals. And that's going to be something that we want to empower those merchants or those developers to do themselves. Because I think it's, it's absolutely important. and It's absolutely critical. But at the end of the day, um, that's somebody else's business, but that's not our business. Um, yeah. But you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, especially as an entrepreneur, you have to think about this in stages. Like you have to think about what is the zero to one what is the one to two and what is the two to a hundred um and then especially for the zero to one you have to pick your battles that you have to essentially just choose one area where you get um you know you get kind of the right support um and then essentially after that you choose the next one and then you essentially start scaling um but i think for us i mean um yes we'll be working forward kind of in one specific area and that's something that we're doing but i think especially in the public domain it's it's going to be very, very consistent about the developers because that's kind of where we see that we can actually have this type of lever into the market and that developers can also create more and more of these meaningful experiences for their own customers.
0: And uh, I I love that about you guys that uh, you are developer first, so you have a developer first approach and focus. And uh, since you mentioned developers, where can they uh, reach out to you for ideas and uh, and comments?
1: No, I, I would love for essentially just people to check out just the website, I mean, profina.com and the next floor from there. I mean, there's a developer section, there's different examples, there's a, a blog series on Medium that has mm-hmm. more more color. Um, there's also the, the public GitHub. We actually call it Liberty Equality Data. Um, yeah, I love so that. <laughs> so that's something yeah. where you can kind of just, you know, stay in the loop on things that we publish. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more and more all the time. Um, but then, I mean, just generally... Um, kind of checking out those things and kind of that, that, that's great. Um, and I would love for you to guys to just stay in the loop, but I would love to hear also more ideas that, that if you kind of just start from this point of view, that if your customer could tell you more about them, what could you build? That's kind of the thing that, that's really inspiring for us because, um, we also, I mean, we also have a, um, a developer Slack, which is right now it's invite only. Um, I'm sorry. Right now it's by invitation, which means that you can apply and we'll essentially act. Accept you and to the community, uh, but we're going to also be making that more public, and we're going to be making our own roadmap more public. Just kind of blurring the lines more about like especially these these um, use cases. Um, so there's a lot that you can check out, but I would love to kind of get especially more ideas about like um, you know if we're able to democratize access to data, even if just for one use case or one person at a time, then uh, what can you do? So that's the open question, and I think. I mean I will definitely take you up on that 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 kind of idea that it would be fantastic to run like uh, a sprint hackathon at some point and just kind of figure out that you know if we have certain type of data sets and data profiles that we can essentially tailor then what could you what could we come up with in 48 hours because I'm guessing that we could come up with something you know fantastically um you know on one side fantastically provocative but on the beyond the other side also incredibly valuable because a lot of these things I mean they're they're not rocket science. It's just about looking at like, you know, what is a struggle that somebody has in their everyday life? Um, How could you make that a little bit better if you knew a little bit more about the person as well as their goals?
0: Cool. All right. Uh, Well, on that positive note, Marcus, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me as well. And thank you everybody for listening. So look forward to
0: continuing the discussion. All right, this was the very first episode of Get Your AI On podcast. Thank you all for listening and be sure to subscribe. We're going to post a new episode every other week, so stay tuned for the next conversation. See you next time.